Well, hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant of Truth Ministries. This is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits, where we are looking in the scriptures each and every day. And today we're going to be again in the book of Jude, this small book that only has one chapter. And we're going to make a little bit of progress today. This book is jam-packed, and so we're going to um, look at it in detail in a few of these episodes. And I pray that these are a blessing to you. So today I'd like to begin the reading with Jude, and it just has the one chapter, so chapter one. We're going to begin in verse one, and we'll make it through a few of the verses, and then we'll go back and discuss them. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. We talked about that in yesterday's episode. Verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Actually, I'm going to stop there because we will pick up with verse 4 tomorrow. But I want to look at verse 3 in some detail today. We talked about who Jude is, that he is one of the half-brothers of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, another half-brother of Jesus Christ. We talked about how he's writing this to the church and that he's wishing them mercy, peace, and love. But he's also established his authority here because he's going to be telling us important things with authority that must be addressed. So Jude is telling us here that he intended to write about our common salvation. In other words, he intended to write the church about the salvation that is common to all believers with encouraging words about the Lord, about the Christian journey, etc. I mean, we we don't know exactly what his original intent was, but we can glean that much from the words that he mentions here. But there's something, there's a reason that he has to address some other things. And we're going to get more into that beginning in the next episode. But verse 4 will tell us why his desire to write simple words of encouragement now had to become words of admonition and instruction. He says here that I found it necessary. That means I was, in other words, I was constrained, he says, or I felt obligated. I was compelled. It became necessary. It can even include being distressed or troubled. In other words, Jude was so bothered by what he saw, what he heard about, what he observed, that he was troubled by it to the point that he had to speak out. He had to speak to the church. 
it was necessary, it was a necessity for him. This word can also mean it's imposed either by circumstances or by law or duty. So he was feeling it was his obligation to address this with the church. And he says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you. In other words, instructing you, calling you near. It does include that. But in this term and in this context, he's using it even stronger. He means to beseech you or implore you. He's almost begging. He's entreating them. He's calling upon them. Each and every Christian and the church as a whole and all of its parts. He's saying to you, I had to write to you, exhorting you, meaning the church. That could be individually, each and every Christian. It can also include the church as a whole, the, the major body. It could also include the home groups or the smaller cell group meetings. Because in that day, in the early church, they would meet from house to house. So he's covering it all here with this word. I'm exhorting you. I am begging you. I'm imploring you. What purpose? What does he implore them to do? What is he begging them to do? He says that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. He says you must contend earnestly. He's begging them to contend, to strive strenuously, to struggle for in defense of the faith. It can include to compete for, like you would compete for a prize. Not competing with each other, but competing with those who are seeking to oppose the truth of the faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about the faith. What does he mean here? Well, he says it is the faith that is also once for all delivered to the saints. That means it's the basic foundational doctrines of the Christian faith that was once for all delivered. In other words, some, you know, some may call it the old time gospel or the old time. There may be, even be an old kind of spiritual song that sang about the old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Well, this is not about religion. It's about relationship. But what they're meaning is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No new doctrine, no new revelation, no new secret message or hidden codes or all of this other stuff that you may hear. No, that can lead us astray. That can lead us into error. And Jude says, we've got to contend. He says, I am begging you. I am beseeching you, exhorting you. I am compelled to do it out of obligation because I will stand before the Lord and I must give an account to him and I want to be faithful to him and to the truth of his word. He's talking about here the same faith, the same truth that the church was founded upon. Jesus had told Peter 
on this rock of revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church. What was that rock? It was the revelation of who Jesus is, that that true, sincere belief, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of old, the coming King, the coming Savior, the coming Redeemer, who is the very Son of the living God. It's the faith, it's that which, which was deposited into us, entrusted to us by Jesus himself and by the apostles and which fulfills and completes all of the Old Testament. The faith once for all delivered, no new doctrines, no new revelations. It's the same as what it's always been. And it's the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. So let's look at a few of those. Who God is, the truth about who God is, the truth about how he is love and he is mercy. Yes, he is, but he is also holy to be revered. He is to be feared and awed and reverenced. He is just he will judge sin, and he will judge those who continue in sin, refusing to repent. He's a just judge. Think about it this way. How would you be if someone had committed some serious crime against you, and they just get off scot-free? Never have to pay the penalty for that sin. Never have to pay the penalty for that crime. Say they maybe murdered someone in your family or, you know, did some evil to you or to one of your children. And yet the, the judge in the case just, you know, ignores the evidence or just says, well, I just feel very merciful and very compassionate. So I'm just going to let you go. Just, just, you know, don't do it again. Maybe whispers that or something like that. I mean, but there's no true justice that's brought to bear. You see, God's not like that. He will right all wrongs in his timing and in his way because he is just. In the meantime, he is reaching out to every one of us who are in the world. He is reaching out to every sinner, no matter what the crime is, no matter what the sin is, and he's calling for them to come to know him. But if they don't, they will meet the just judge on judgment day. And that's the truth about who God is. So we need to understand the truth about who God is. The truth about our God, the three-in-one God. We do not worship three gods, but our God is revealed in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's more that we could say about each of those but we need to understand and contend for the truth about God. We need to also contend for the truth about the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. David said, well, we believe it was David. It's in Psalm 119, which we don't know exactly who wrote it. We typically will attribute it to David. But the, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, the entirety of your word is truth. Jesus came along in John chapter 17 
and he was praying and he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We need to contend for the fact that the Bible is the inspired word of the living God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is the truth of God, inerrant in all points. It has no errors and it is infallible. It will not fail. It will accomplish everything and everything that it has said will come to pass. So we are contending for the truth that is found in this book. And this book, the Bible, is what teaches us these doctrines about God, about man, who man is. Man was created in the image of God, yes, according to Genesis 1 and 2. But man sinned against God and is now in a fallen state, condemned to death, condemned to eternal death, apart from Jesus Christ. We need to be true to what the scripture says. We have a fallen, sinful nature. We're contending for the truth that man is in need of a Savior. Man is in need of someone who can redeem them. Even the law that God gave us in the Old Testament proves that because the law shows us all it does is show us all these rules that we cannot meet. We are not able to do them perfectly. You might get two or three of them done, but what about the other 611 or 610 or whatever it is? You're, you're going to fail. We fail. We cannot keep it on our own. We are in desperate need of a Savior. And this Savior and this Redeemer is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. He is promised in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is building for the climax that will come in the new. The Old Testament is proving to us our need for this coming one, this one who will save and rescue us. Hallelujah. And it ties perfectly with the New Testament. There is a thread of redemption that is running all through it. We need to contend for the revelation also of, the, of this Redeemer, of this Savior, Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior. Contend for the faith of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, the Son of the living God, the promised Messiah. He is the son of man. He is also called and was prophesied in the Old Testament. He is the son of David, who is rightfully heir to David's throne, the coming Messiah King. He is the sinless, righteous one, the only one without sin, the only perfect sacrifice, the only perfect Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the, the only one perfect who could be the atoning sacrifice and remove sin of all people of all time. We are contending for the truth of who Jesus is. We are contending for the truth of man's lost condition 
We are dead in our sins and lost, condemned to hell without Jesus until and unless we will receive the gift that has been offered to us. I want to read in two places in the Gospel of John. The first one is in John chapter 3, and I am going to begin reading in verse 16. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, that whoever, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you have done, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Now I want to turn over to the book of John in chapter 8. In John chapter 8, I want to begin reading in verse 19. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now he's talking to a bunch of religious people here, and he's telling them that because they're rejecting him, doesn't matter how religious they are. They're going to die in their sins, he says. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he said, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, for you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he you will die in your sins. All who come to Jesus must believe that he is God, that he is the Messiah. And that's why he's telling them here, if you do not believe that I am, the word he is added for our, for our sakes, but he is God. We must believe who he is else we will die in our sins. And we go on down and find out in verse 30 that as he spoke these things, many believed in him. 
Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus here, we're seeing the need for Jesus, that he is the gift that has been offered to all mankind, to every single person, to the whole of the world. He's the one who paid the debt of sin that was not his to pay. He paid it in your place. He paid it in my place. He took our sin upon him. Our iniquity was laid upon him, just like it says in Isaiah 53. Salvation is made available to all. It is a free gift, just like we learn in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. But just like with any other gift, you must receive that gift to benefit from it. God's not going to force you to receive his gift of salvation. He wants you to receive it, and he has made it available to you. Would you receive it? Would you accept him? And so we must contend for these things. We must contend for the truth about salvation. It's available to all, but you must receive it. You must receive him. Only those who receive Jesus will be saved. We contend about the truth of who Jesus is also in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the truth about who Jesus is in that he is our coming king. He is coming again. He is coming as king of kings, lord of lords. We must contend also for the truth of the faith all the way through to the end because he came the first time, but he's coming again. So Jude is writing here, compelled to tell us we must contend for these, for the truth, for the faith, and hold to these truths. And I will leave you with this. Hold on to these truths. They are under attack today like never before. There's all kinds of winds and waves of doctrine everywhere. And you can believe almost anything you want to believe. But that does not make it right. And there'll be many that find themselves condemned to hell forever who trusted in the wrong thing and refused to accept the truth of the word of the living God and the gift of salvation that's been offered. We must contend and stand firm and be true to scripture, teach the truth, hold to sound doctrine, and don't fall for winds and waves of doctrine. I want to conclude today by reading in a few scriptures. I want to begin in these last final scriptures, reading in Galatians chapter 1. And I want to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. God is making it very plain here through Paul in his writing to Galatia that we cannot accept or believe or receive any other gospel. We must hold to the foundation of the truth and contend for that and that only. I want to look at also Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he himself, meaning Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So Paul is writing here, warning against remaining to in the place where we can be tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine, but rather that we all come to unity and grow to be a perfect man. It doesn't mean that we never fall into sin ever again. It simply means that we are matured in Christ, knowing the truth, feeding on the truth, standing in the truth of the faith, and not wavering so that we cannot be tossed about by winds and waves of doctrine. We will be strong and sturdy in the things of God. And lastly, I just want to point out from 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 6, he says this to Timothy, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. He wants Timothy to grow and to stand for sound doctrine. So we see the heart of Jesus we see the heart of Paul, and we see the heart of Jude, all telling us to stand soundly, stand in the truth, contend for the faith, continue in it, and contend for it. And don't fall for the lies. Let us continue and be willing to contend as, need, as needed 
to strive to defend the faith of Jesus Christ and the truth. I pray this is a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes of Truth Tidbits, if the Lord wills. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.